Hey everybody, we are here today with a drummer and musician, Jim Cavanaugh. How you doing? Rob, how are you? Pretty good. Do you notice how I said drummer and musician? Mm-hmm. You can have two opinions. We're one and the same. Depends what, on who you ask. What they get on the ACT to rule, right? No drummer, no. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I know um, you and I have played at least one gig together before, and we've seen each other kind of around oh, yeah. at Knuckleheads and Jams mm -hmm. for, for a while. And um, really glad that you're uh, here here today and uh, just here to talk about some music. But for people who don't know you, uh, give me you know maybe a couple minute uh, brief kind of history yourself, like what, what you've been doing music-wise or in life or whatever. Well, sort of born into a musical family. My mom was a honky-tonk piano player, played roadhouse and stuff, so mm -hmm. there was always a piano in the house. Uh, went to a Christmas party when I was five and was just taken by the drums. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I had a stepdad who didn't, didn't care for me very much, and uh, I wasn't his favorite person, and mm -hmm. he really didn't like drums. They thought they were too loud and they felt mm -hmm. they were too expensive. So he would never let me play around the house. Mm -hmm. So I didn't actually get to start playing until I was 18. Oh, wow. When I moved away and went to college. Wow. And uh, I met a fellow there who was a drummer, and uh, we would take his drums down to the field house at Warrensburg, over mm -hmm. by the football field. You could rent the building for $5 a day, and we'd set up a stereo, and we'd play along with James Brown and, and uh, let's see, Moby Grape, mm -hmm. the Young Rascals, mm -hmm. you know, all the bands back mm -hmm. in the, the late 60s. And then uh, the Motown guys were there, and uh, Hendrix and Cream and all those guys were just starting to come out then about mm -hmm. that in the next year. And then uh, just basically started playing from there. Uh, I consider myself a street drummer. Uh, I learn everything in the street, I learn everything playing. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a guy misses out on a lot of rudiments because when you're, when you're in a garage band, you have to play forceful enough to be heard over the guitar and bass. Mm -hmm which means that you can't use a lot of finesse because mm -hmm. you don't have mics, you don't have any amplification. You're yeah. the only acoustic instrument in the band. Right. And so a lot of guys miss out on a lot of fundamentals and rudiments uh, because they don't feel like they're getting enough power out of that to actually to actually mm -hmm. contend with the other guys who whip. Sure. So a lot of guys who come up from those ranks do a lot of single stroke rolls. They learn to play mm -hmm. their own technique. Uh, Bonham, those guys are great. Bonham does a lot of double stuff and rudimental stuff, but you, you can't really tell because you know he mm -hmm. had great hands yeah. but but Bonham and Mitch Mitchell and um, uh, Bobby Columby were the guys that I listened to when I was younger mm -hmm. Columby was with Blood Sweat and Tears yeah you know and um, Danny Seraphine with Chicago mm -hmm. you know those are the guys I learned how to play from that's cool yeah yeah, yeah. so you were definitely definitely non-trained yeah then I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not a legitimate musician a legitimate musician <laughs> Yeah, that's cool, man. And I know what you're talking about with the the idea of our different, the kind of typical different genres that you hear if you're listening to a lot of only rock and then you've been in a lot of garage bands where, like you said, you kind of miss out on a lot of this other stuff because because you're forced to just play really hard and keep keep volume with everybody else. And uh, And, but at the same time, I wonder if, a lot of those guys that were trained to do dynamics really well, I wonder if they if they sometimes struggle to push a little bit when they have to. I, well, I don't know if you. I think that's that. the individual, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. everybody's got that artist in him. Everybody's mm -hmm. got that drummer in him that wants to be let out. Yeah. Okay, and uh, 
and, and you learn dynamics. If you want to be a, a dynamic drummer, you learn dynamics. You, if yeah. you listen to the good ones, the good ones have dynamics. Yeah. I had to learn how to play quiet. Yeah. I've got three or four different ways that I can tone down my drums when I have to play a gig. If I'm playing a quiet gig, I have quiet cymbals. Mm -hmm. I have quiet drums. Yeah. That's the stuff I take to that gig. When I'm playing a big gig, I'll take a big set of drums and I'll take my loud cymbals. Yeah. They're not any bigger. There's just the way they make them. They're louder. And they, they sure. don't, they're not as fast. Yeah. You know, there's more ring to them. Mm. And so you have to learn. It's, it's your instrument. It's like you learn how to be quiet and, and loud on, sure. on the violin. And, yeah. and I learned how to do it on drums. Sure. And a lot of guys don't mm -hmm. because a lot of guys think they have to be heard. And, and to them, being heard is more important than actually the presentation, mm. which is my big thing in music is presentation because you don't have to be a great musician to present well, mm. okay? But you do have to present so that it's pleasing to people. Yeah. You know, and I think that's every musician's job. Everyone's gonna play a song, and everyone can probably play the same song, same th song, but some guys can present it better, and that's what you feel. You know, their art comes through in their presentation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree. So, so on that topic, you were kind of talking about the style of each of of drummers and and what they're trying to bring to this, and and your 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 mentality. You're talking about it's not just me; it's this group. You know that, and and it's 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 a whole presentation that your band is trying to portray. What um. And you talked a little bit about volume. Um, one of my big frustrations with this idea of the band portraying the band, not uh, happy fun time for the drummer, yeah. kind of, you know, with volume, mm -hmm. and also with kind of the amount of crap that you're playing. You know, can, can you oh, talk a busy. little bit being about busy? being busy? Talk, talk about that. Well, it's fun to be busy. Mm -hmm. But the problem with it is it also clutters everything up. Because it isn't just the drummer. If the drummer's going to be busy and filling in a lot of stuff, then the rhythm guitar player, the lead guitar player, are going to look for places to put stuff. Mm -hmm. The side guys, harmonicas, yeah, horns, right. they're going to look for every little spot in the song where they can put a note mm -hmm. so they can be heard. You know, I, you know, playing with you is great because you, you stand there and you play your part. Uh, Butch Schmidt played with a bunch of guys, mm -hmm. saxophone player with everybody you can think of Joe Cocker for a long time mm -hmm. uh, he will stand on stage and when it's time for him to play his part he'll play his part he doesn't noodle mm -hmm. and constantly noodling clutters up the songs mm -hmm. and at the same time when one guy gets loud and everybody tries to come up to him instead of trying to bring him down mm -hmm. it just creates more noise yeah I'm in a band now called uh, Blue Plate Special mm -hmm. with Phil Shirelli and uh, uh, Gary Holub and Willie Newell, mm -hmm. and we play uh, a lot of private parties, and we play a lot of small clubs, and if we play in a room like this, we're very quiet. We've been asked yeah. to turn it up, but when when we play, it's such a pleasure because we can hear everything that each other, we're all playing, mm -hmm. and we don't have to try to find mm -hmm. what the guitar part, we don't it's have right to there. see where the cue to come in because it's there, mm -hmm. because we can hear it, yeah. and, and the jams get out of hand. Yeah. These guys play, get one up there once a week. They have 20 minutes or whatever to, to make their print on life. And they're going to do it by God. Yeah. And uh, it just it just makes a, a wreck out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about the jams in a minute. Um, but with, so with drummers, so we talked a little bit about the idea of, of people doing, so it's, there, there's also kind of bus, busyness through the entire song. But I've noticed a lot, and bass players are sort of like this too, where it's just, 
it's just fill, 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 fill. Mm -hmm. I mean, like every five seconds is a fill. Yeah. And, um, and that one thing that that frustrates me is because, you know, again, I don't know if I do this all the time, but I definitely have that mentality that you just said of, I'm going to very much think about when I need to play in this song. That's the, 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 the word that's always coming into my head is when. Well, pocket. Put, pocket. Well, yeah. yeah that's what and, drummers call it and bass players call it. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess I always think of the pocket as like the rhythm through the whole song, being in rhythm. I, I'm thinking more of the when, the, the place when, and the fact that when they do fills, especially like a bass player, um, that's my little spot, right? We always talk about in blues where you have sing, play, sing, yeah. play, sing, and that little play spot mm -hmm. when drummers and bass players do their little fill right there every single time. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I seriously sit there like, why, why am I here? Well, it you gets know, old. Like, yeah. And then, you know, guys have their own perfect fills and some guys don't have a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I, I have tried over the years to bring variety to what I do. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep the beat. I can't do anything about speed because that's a whole band thing. This thing of the drummer keeping the tempo is just a bunch of hooey. Mm. Because if nobody's listening to the drummer, what's going to happen? Mm. They're going to go with the fastest guy because no one wants to get left behind. Mm. And there are some guys who play on the, the head of the beat, some guys who play on the behind, on the backside of the beat. And if you get a bass player playing really really ahead and you get a drummer playing way behind, uh, you, you, don't, you can't tell what's going on, but it doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's what you've got to do is you've got, I try to establish a groove when I'm playing, mm -hmm. and uh, and I try to not put too many fills in. Uh, maybe I'll put more in if we're doing a jam or something, because you know that's more of a free form thing. Right. But I've got to give some people some place to go. Mm -hmm. And then I'm not a solo guy. I really don't care about solos. Mm -hmm. uh, I get distracted. I start thinking. I, I lose what I'm doing. But I, I really enjoy fills. So when I listen to drummers, I listen to how do they do their fills? How tasty are their fills? You know, because you know, I was in a ZZ Top tribute band for nine years. Mm -hmm. Okay, three guys. And most of the fills are drum fills. Yeah. A lot of them are double and triple tracked. So I have to make up a lick based on what people hear on their car radio, mm -hmm. based on three tracks. Yeah. You know, and it works out because people are comfortable. And, and, and that's the thing about tribute acts. And, and, and a lot of bands, a lot of bands have gotten away from playing things like the record. But a drummer usually plays things like the record because it gives people some place to go. Mm. And that's what I miss in, in a lot of the jams is if the guy is playing a solo and he's not playing what, uh, what you're used to hearing, that you don't know where the cue is. You don't know where to come in. Mm. Okay. And so I like the comfort of, of paying homage to a solo and then doing it on, on your own. Yeah. You know, making it your own. But you can make it your own without you know, making it bad. Yeah. So you're saying do your with the with the argument of do it like the record or not like the record, you're saying that it's really that you enjoy really taking enough of it. You know, and that's a that's a very arbitrary thing, taking sure. enough of the thing so that everybody does know sort of what's going yeah. on, but then make it your own enough and and it's it's really hard that I mean that would be the fun of it is drawing that line, right? Of, how of how drummers, much you know how many drummers Try to make a song their own. Think about it for a second. Mm -hmm. Okay? My favorite band right now, and has been for a few years, is Government Mule. Mm -hmm. I love Matt Apps. Yeah. Okay? Matt is not a busy player. He's a very sparse player. Mm -hmm. When he plays, it's brilliant. 
but a lot of times he's there, he's dynamic, he's forceful, and he's sort of driving the song along, but he's not doing a bunch of crap, mm -hmm. okay? And, and so, in my background, when I learned how, when I was listening to the Rascals and listening to Jim Brown, I learned, and back in the old days, everybody played the song like the record, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. It's really a comfort thing for me, mm -hmm. because I don't know what all these other guys are gonna do. Mm -hmm. I know how the song's gonna go, and I know what's supposed to be where, but I don't want to put it in the wrong place, so it kind of keeps on your toes. Mm -hmm. and, and, the, and even if a guy doesn't play it like the record, as long as he'll give you the same cue, mm -hmm. you know, if you're in a band, not right. at a jam, right. you're just, you're winging it. Yeah, you're listening, sure. you're being aware, you know, your antennas are all the way yeah, up. Sure. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned another thing about, about fills and how some people have like two, <laughs> you know, or I'm, oh, yeah, I'm joking, yeah. but mm -hmm. like uh, one, one of the drummers that I actually really like is um, uh, Nick Mason from Floyd, you know, yeah. and, and one of the things that I'm always impressed by with him is, uh, it, I always joke with myself, I hear doom doom ba ba doom doom do ba boom on like every single hit, you know, it's, it yeah. always sounds like the same fill and it, it's because it is, you yeah. know, but the thing that I'm always impressed by him is that I would... There, there's songs like what was the example? Um, oh yeah, like us and them. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I'm always sure. impressed by his. I'm like, there's a million drummers out there that could not play that song like him, uh -huh. and how how not overpowering he is with volume, obviously, but also just that really super laid back beat and really hitting it exactly where he needs to hit it mm -hmm. with with sure. a really good pocket, and the fact that he doesn't do. 19,000 fills or 19,000 different fills and he's just really solid at all times and he's got incredible musicianship and I, I'm always really impressed by him yeah. and um, and that would be against the idea his playing would be against the idea of learning a million different kinds of technique in a school mm -hmm. you know obviously all those guys are super trained I mean they're all very good musicians sure. but but he would be he would blow that idea out of the water of needing to know a thousand different things and how he uses what he has and it it's perfectly exactly what Floyd needed. Yeah. You know, I don't know what I don't know what you think about drummers that are like that. You kinda alluded to it earlier. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, basically you you know, the drums are like punctuation, you know, mm -hmm. in a sentence. We accent what we know is coming up. We kind of give a little lead into it. And a, a couple of bass player friends of mine have commented on that, that I lead them into a change well without yeah. starting measures ahead. You know? Yeah, right. And, and, uh, and you, don't, you don't throw the drums at a song. You let a song happen. I started mm -hmm. singing about eight or ten years ago. Mm -hmm. And so the song became more important than the drum part mm -hmm. when you're doing something like that. And that's where the whole idea of presentation, because when I, you know, over 10, 12 years ago, I was just banging away on drums. Mm -hmm. And, and then into when you start singing, you start realizing that you know, this is something, this is what the people are really hearing. Mm. The people don't come, don't drive 20 miles to hear a guy do a lot of fills on drums. People come to hear a song presented well. Yeah. And that's what everybody needs to think. And, and the good thing about my little band is uh, we all think the song comes first. Yeah, that's really great. We, we don't play long solos. You know, we've right. got a great keyboard player, Willie Newell. Mm -hmm. Just tears it up. He's played with Michael Burke, uh, Head East, uh, Tommy Castro, people like that. Fine, fine player. And um, he's got a couple of songs he plays some, some solos on, but you know, not very many. The rest of us, we just want to do more songs in a night. Mm 
Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, yeah, as that's, many that's songs cool. as we can play in an evening is what we want to do. Right. Yeah, that's really great, man, when you can get people that are all in that same situation. And like, and so, you know, I'd, I'd love to talk about bands in general again here in a minute, but keep, kind of keeping on this idea of, of fills and how much to play, I've found that, I don't know if you feel, if you look at it this way, but I kind of look at it as there. there's obviously moments in the song that I need to come out and, Oh, oh, I remember what I was going to say. You you were talking about having a certain perspective just being a drummer. And then when you started singing, all of a sudden you, you changed your perspective of, you know, what what is the point of this crap right now? Exactly. Oh, yeah. it's, vo- you know, it's vocals. And it's it, the maybe the vocal is one of the big presentations, but we're all in this big thing coming at each other. Um, I, I think that's really awesome. I mean, how many... How many drummers do you think that would help? <laughs> you know, well, I, I kind think it would help a lot a about it because uh, Kansas City music has changed a lot. And we don't have the venues we used to have. We don't mm-hmm. have the kind of venues you used to have. There are millions and millions of musicians out there, and just to, it's like trying to find a spot in the song to put your harmonica part mm-hmm. in, okay? You, you've got to find a place to play. But at the same time, the quality of the music can't suffer. It's just because you finally get a job and you get going. You can't just let it go. <laughs> My other friend named Chris Fryer, he's the, the drummer for Zach Brown Band. Mm. I used to go down to his house in Birmingham and we'd rehearse down there and practice. And I'd steal licks from him and he'd tell me he was stealing licks from me, but he can't, couldn't <laughs> steal any. The guy's buddy rich, good. Quit being okay. humble. But he used you're to say, he used to say, don't practice when you're playing and don't play when you're practicing. Mm. And so wow, when, I rehearse, when I rehearse, I know what I'm going to try to work on that day. And when I'm playing a job, if there's a way that I can put something in there that I've worked on, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I keep it straight. I keep it the way the guys are used to hearing it until I've practiced something and I've worked it up and I, and I know that I can do it. You know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Chris was a good influence on me. and He's a heck of a drummer. When he was in a funk fusion band with uh, O'Toole Burbridge called the, the Peacemakers. Talk about your funk. <laughs> That guy, oh, he's a, mm-hmm. such a good drummer. But I learned a lot from him because he's he's busy, but everybody in the band's busy because they were playing fusion. But mm-hmm. what they were doing, a guy writes a song, he writes dynamics into the song. Mm-hmm. And so the drummer doesn't have to find the dynamics. The yeah. bass player doesn't have to find the dynamics. They're already there. You don't have to, you have to know how to present those dynamics so that mm-hmm. they're pleasant to people listening to you. Yeah, and that that's a thing that I think is really different about about classical where you know I've been from basically and then going into this band realm is that that decision making process and classical people don't like me saying this but in classical we don't got any decisions to make it's already told to you you know and that makes things a lot easier and in some ways um and I think because I was you know very much trained by ear unlike a lot of classical people I think the the finding it part with all these other bands was really easy for me mm-hmm. because I've always been a, had a high level of listening, but I, I like what you're saying where you you've gotta you've gotta be listening to everybody or else you don't know you you just don't know what to do. It's it's all you and yeah. if you, if you don't um, uh, that's what a lot of guys that have been on the show have talked about. One of their big annoyances with yeah. pe- with musicians in general is people aren't listening. Yeah, it's exactly. me me me, you know and. Uh, well, you can tell when a guy starts playing, no matter what instrument he's on, you can tell after a couple of measures, 
you know, if, if he's really thinking, hey, watch this, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. hmm. That's, yeah, that's, and, and so, and one more thing on that is that, that I was starting to get into is the idea that I, I know when I'm trying to think about this when idea, when I need to be playing or when I need to throw my really good riff in or when I need to do this, to me it kind of changes depending on what situation I'm in. Obviously, like you just mentioned a thing, like with the style of music also, this, this can change for me. Like you mentioned doing some fusion stuff. That is a generally fairly busy framework as mm -hmm. opposed to maybe like really old school country. You know, it, it maybe is an opposite mm -hmm. spectrum um, or jazz is another one where people, that music sounds good when it's generally busy, but yeah. old school country does not sound good when the drummer and everybody yeah, else know, a is A banjo playing one note is not gonna sound good. Yeah, yeah, right. And so like, so the idea is like, I had another guy say, come at it exactly opposite from I do, from what I think is that, I think when you're in like an eight piece, that's a time where, in my opinion, the drummer needs to do like zero fills because in our like in our old country band, you already have violin, steel, lead guitar. You, you already have three people doing fills, and then when the rhythm, bass, rhythm guitar, bass, and drummer doing fills, now we've got, you know, in that little space in the blues, you know, now we got six people doing fills, you know, and yeah. and so like, do you? Does that affect you at all? Like thinking about obviously what music, but but even the amount of people in the band. Like like when you have a trio, to me there's so much room there yeah, that yeah. I if you, I mean, what do you think about that? Oh, I agree 100. Uh, percent You know, you can hear one clap, one hand clapping, but you can't pick that hand out if you're chief staging, okay? Because mm. everybody's clapping at the same time. Mm. And if you go to a jam session, you know, one of the best jams. In, well, we'll get on jams a little yeah, bit later, yeah. but when you get a lot of people on stage. And they're all trying to make their point, you know. It, the the song disappears. Mm -hmm. You know, the dynamics go away. Mm -hmm. And a guy will start off say, "Let's let's do some dynamics on this song." But dynamics are a lot more than just volume. Yeah. You know, and uh, and yeah, you've got to have space, and, and you've got to leave space in the song because, you know, it's, you know, you you don't look at at a piece of music and see a black line going all the way across it. You see four dots or eight dots or sixteen dots in a mm -hmm. measure. You don't see one big black line going across that, that snap, you know? And, and guys, we get a bunch of guys together as the band reading that line, and that's what it turns out to be. It just turns into noise. Oh, yeah. And the only way they can stand out when there are that many people playing is volume. Yeah, yeah. And that kills it for the crowd. All right. And it kills it for jamming because you can't pick up on the emotion somebody's trying, mm -hmm. you know, trying to put into the music. Because, you know, the coolest thing about, you know, most music is you get emotionally bonded to yeah, a song. Yeah. Whether you're playing uh, funky music, White Boy, or whether you're playing something by, by uh, uh, Pink Floyd, mm -hmm. uh, the emotion of that tune is what, that's why you want to be a musician. That's why you want to play. Yeah. You identify that and you want to be a part of that. Right. And, and if you can't pick out a part that you remember, pick out a part that that draws you to it, that inspires you, you know, then, then it's just, it's a waste of time. Yeah, 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 I, I really like that, man, because you're right, I mean, I really, it's, it's, it's hard to tell what's actually going to grab somebody to be a musician or even just a fan to like that song, but even, like, when you said the emotion, like, the thing that 
came into my head was even like a really heavy rock song and how that's presented like on a movie or something. Like when you have the guy walk in and he's, you know, you people are really gravitating towards the feeling of this guy coming in. It's not just the notes. It's not, you know, it's the feeling of this guy's a badass, you know, and he's and but it's the emotional aspect of that, which is why that part is so cool. And and that's really what Think you're... Cashmere. Led Zeppelin, Cashmere. Yeah, yeah. Think about it. Do you sit there and wait for the words? No. Yeah. You're sitting and you're you're growing inside as that scale goes up, you're going up inside right along with that. Yeah. And you're not listening to any words. You know? Right. You're you're getting you're becoming you're getting into that song. Mule songs are like that. Government mule. They're, I don't know how they do it. They have lyrics. People don't dance. You go to a mu music, uh, to a venue, and to see a mule show, everybody is nodding yeah, their head at the same time. Yeah. Two, three thousand people. Right. Because they're into what they're doing, and it's the way they're laying that song down. Yeah, and, and that's what's lost when people don't, don't, when musicians don't consider that. Yeah. You know, and, and is, that, is that you're, you're I guess you're, your kind of point, I guess, is that you're destroying the song. You're destroying the, like the whole point of the song. You know, when exactly. when you don't consider that. If the guys that, think, you know, can they hear me? Yeah. And are they gonna like this next lick? Okay. Right. Those are you know, if a guy's thinking well, that, he's <laughs> never, never gonna be a good right. jammer. Yeah. So so I guess a, a really uh, awesome segue because the show is so awesome and my segues are amazing. Is uh, what is so when you have guys that are that are not doing this. Um, my One of my struggles after I ran my own rock band for a couple of years and just thinking about band dynamics and when you're, when you're with a, a group of guys um, is the idea of what do you do about that now? Like you're, so you're in a band, you've okay. got your five dudes or whatever okay. and you have this person that's either you know, there's a whole bunch of things that could happen. They're they're just being flaky. They don't answer the phone, or they don't have the same musicianship concept, or they want to play it not like the original, sure. or you know, yep. this handful of things that you disagree on. Um, sometimes I'm, it isn't even musical. Yes, and most of the time, yeah. it's, it's sometimes not even musical. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, I I think I have an answer for this, but I, I love to hear everybody's opinion on this because because the one. One annoyance that I'm having now as a young adult is the idea that I, I was waiting my whole life for these grand answers to everything, you know, these grand philosophical, you know, secret of life stuff. And then when this happens, I want there to be an answer. And the overwhelming response I've gotten from people is there's nothing you can do. You just move on. You know, you because you can't change people. You can't. You know that that's the answer I've been getting from do a lot you, of people. You don't have what a you right. Well, uh, here, here's yeah. the way I look at it. Okay, you're gonna get three, four, five guys in a band, hopefully. Mm -hmm. uh, more than that, you've got a horn section, and then you got to work with those guys. Um, you got four artists in there. Most of the time, they're smart. Mm -hmm. uh, the really good musicians are pretty bright. Right. The ones that I've met. Yeah. Uh, and the really good musicians are pretty crazy. The good writers are crazy. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Uh, I played on an album last year with a guy who's just—he's a brilliant guy, mm -hmm. but he—he he is not with the rest of the world. <laughs> we got nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. We were 139th out of three million yeah. on Reverb Nation. He's not all there. But he's a writer. <laughs> okay. This guy can write, and but he thinks that way. 
Okay, and, and when you get in a band, and when you're younger, you put up with it. Mm-hmm. And so you're in a band, you're young, you're putting up with it because we're getting gigs, okay? But you're starting to resent a guy. Yeah. And every time he does something a little off key, you resent him a little more because mm-hmm. it triggers it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And your resentment can sit there and it can grow like grass, and yeah. all of a sudden, like a weed, it'll pop up. Yeah. Okay. The the best band to ever be in uh, would be like a benevolent dictatorship. Mm-hmm. You got to have a guy that runs his band the way the the band should be run, the way he wants it to be run. But he really cares that everybody feels good about it, that everybody makes a decent mm-hmm. living, that everybody is comfortable mm-hmm. with the songs they're doing and stuff like that. But at the same time, as long as they're feeling that, he would tell them, this has to be done this way. Yeah. Benevolent dictatorship. because you We know, need a leader. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and some guys can't, can't do this. Some guys don't want to lead. Some guys don't want to follow. Yeah. You know? and, and so, to me, that's the best way to do it now. I've been playing 53 years. I can tell a couple of songs if I want to play with somebody or not. Sure. I can tell from, from talking to them for a while if I want to be in a band with them or not. Is your head in the same place I am? Mm-hmm. I, I'm a, I've got a little project starting with two guys. The guy, one guy is a bass player, and he was in the first band I was ever in in 1968. Another guy is a lead guitar player who was in the second band I was ever in in 1969, mm-hmm. 1968. Uh, he is way up there in country and western. He plays with everybody. He's mm-hmm. been a musical director for Leroy Van Dyke for years. Mm-hmm. And, and he's a brilliant player, very tasty. And But when I got back with Tony and played with him a few months ago, it's like we hadn't been apart for 47 years. Mm-hmm. Because there are guys that I play with, and I just love them as people. Mm-hmm. Wonderful people. But I don't really care to play with them. Mm-hmm. You ski? You ever go skiing? Well, I like skiing the blues, and I like skiing hard blues. And every once in a while, I'll probably ski a black. And I took a girlfriend with me on a trip once, and she had never skied before, and I skied greens for three days. Mm-hmm. Bored me to death. Mm-hmm. Okay? I want to ski the blues when I'm at a jam session. Mm-hmm. I want to ski a black every once in a while at a jam session. Mm-hmm. I don't want to stick with the greens. Mm-hmm. Okay? And there are guys that go to some of these jam sessions that play the same three songs the same way they played them for nine years. I've been going to knuckleheads for nine years, yeah. if you can imagine that. And, uh, and, and so, you know, one, once we get on the jam, well, in, even in bands, yeah. you want guys that are, that are going to stretch out a little bit. You know, you don't want a guy who's going to play the same thing all the time. Yeah. Because the, the best band are, are bands that grow. And you can grow by growing your song list and playing difficult stuff. The stuff that we do in, in Blue Plate Special is not easy stuff to learn. I mean, we just about got a song worked out called Thorazine Shuffle. It's a government meal tune. I have to sing it and play at the same time. At the same time, I have to count to 10 and then count to 12 and then count to 10 and then count to 12. Mm-hmm. That's the way the lyrics line up and that's the way the time, the time signature is. Very difficult, mm-hmm. so you have to memorize the song. Yeah. But the band itself is better for having learned that song mm-hmm. because we've grown. Yeah. And these guys that, uh, I don't want to play, I don't want to work, I don't need to learn anything new, you know, I've already done it, I've played it all. You know, uh, I, I look at music like a doctor practices medicine by doing it every day. Mm-hmm. And I practice music by doing it every day and continuing to learn. Mm-hmm. Until I be, one of these days I'll become, you know, irrelevant. You know, <laughs> I just won't be with the pack. 
you know, I'll still be playing Governor Mule stuff and Billy yeah. really Cobham drums when I'm 80 and everybody else will be moved on yeah. to something That's new. funny. So a couple of things you said right there that was interesting. Um, one that, um, one interesting thing that Phil Shirelli actually said when he was on the show that I thought was weird was that, because he talks about his son, you know, his son is down in, in uh, playing with Tyler, uh, yeah. Florida Georgia Lion. Florida Georgia Lion. And, and he was kid. talking about Great when kid. he, uh, when he went and a lot of guys try to audition people down in those big, you know, national big bands, yeah. professional. He talked one thing and he was like, sometimes they'll literally have you play like five seconds of it. You know, I'm exaggerating, but literally like 20 seconds of a song. And they're like, okay, he's like, come on, let's go for a beer. You know, and they're like, we, we've already seen, you know, 15 seconds longer than we need to. We, we know you're good. Yeah. That's not the issue right now. Let's go have a beer. And mm -hmm. so they... And then they go sit down and talk to the guy for like an hour. Mm -hmm. Hear him play for five seconds and talk to him for an hour. Yeah. And that's and you were saying something about I can tell if I'm gonna like working with this guy. Yeah. And I thought that was so interesting and so awesome that these guys know what's up, you know, down there. I mean they're they're hiring some really good player. Everybody who comes in here is good enough player wise, but do we wanna deal with them on the road? Sure. Do we wanna deal with them, you know, during uh in the middle of sets, is this guy gonna have seven beers when he gets on stage? Is this guy gonna, you know, is is he gonna be ridiculous to work with and argue with everything and da da da, da you know? Sure. And sure. I, I thought that was really good that you said that that it's really important to go talk with the guys because that's usually we've talked a lot about like kind of on the bandstand moments that are annoying, but yeah. but really uh, or on the bandstand moments that can kind of be a deal breaker a little bit in a band, but I think most of the time it's the talking stuff that ends up being the deal breaker. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion. Um, but I, I really like that you said that. And the other one that I'm really curious about that you said that was great is the idea of when, when we were at school in college, like, I mean, 10.30 in the morning, we go to theory class and they tell us how we're doing it wrong, basically. Right. And yeah. then you go to quartet rehearsal, how you doing it wrong, lesson, how you doing it wrong, orchestra, how you doing it. And, and so everybody's not like this, but we get in a culture of basically getting told that it's wrong, mm -hmm. you know, and that, I'm not saying that to be a bad thing. I'm saying that, that, that you get used to taking criticism and you just said something really interesting, how it's tough because you get in a band and these guys haven't gone through 400 violin lessons mm -hmm. like I have. And so when you tell them, even in the nicest way possible, they get triggered and lose it, you know, and they, and they just lose their minds because they're not used to taking criticism. Can you talk about that a little bit? Of, well, uh, sure, because I that. run into it all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just, it's purely a personality thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like I grew up listening to records and playing like the record. Okay, I'm very comfortable doing that. Uh, when we do mule stuff, I try to learn all of Mad App's parts so I can mm -hmm. play mule stuff. If I go to a jam session and somebody pulls out Jimi Hendrix tune, or somebody pulls out something by Cream, or somebody by Led Zeppelin, I played all those songs when they were new. I played them like the record. Right. So in a jam session, if a guitar player, 18-year-old guitar player, wants to play Black Dog, okay, I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. I know all the parts, Right. okay? And that really helps. Uh, and uh, I've got a very good music memory. Guys like Walt Chambers mm. can do that. Terry Hancock can do that. Mm. You know, they, they've got a great memory for these songs, and they never really forget them. Yeah. And I'm blessed to have that when it comes to drums. Yeah. Uh, I can remember all these fills. Um, you want to. Uh, you want to play the parts 
that make the guys comfortable that are out there being in front. Okay, uh, we get a lot of young guys at the jam sessions. Uh, we get a lot of old guys. Some of them complain, some of them can't. Some guys, you really, I, a couple of guys, I love listening to them even though they're poor players. I love listening to them because they're so into it and they love what they're doing and they're trying. Mm -hmm. And there are guys who just don't have it. Mm -hmm. There are guys who just don't give you that feeling of, you know, it wasn't technically good, but it just was nice that this guy's out there working on this. Right. Okay. And, and a lot of guys just don't do that. A lot of guys feel they're, they're good enough. You know, mm -hmm. they pretty much have given up. Yeah. You know? Practicing or yeah. getting better while yeah. it's given up. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And so when you get you guys in the band that that uh, that want to go in a lot of different directions, it depends on what direction they want to go to. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, John wanted to go with Yoko. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. that's the way that band broke up. Mm -hmm. But you know, uh, we've got a guy in our band. Uh, you, uh, well, you mentioned Phil. Phil enjoys country. He mm -hmm. plays country a lot. I get hired to play a lot of country. I do the like the Nashville. Uh, Nashville Showdown, those kind of things, mm -hmm. is like a country American Idol. Yeah, I've been a house band for that a few times, and uh, <clears throat> that's great that they want to play it. I'm not drawn to country music myself. I get hired to play it, but I couldn't name the songs. I couldn't name the artists, <laughs> and I played with a lot of these guys, you know. <laughs> so yeah. you know, you've got to play what you like. But if guys are moving on and want to move in a different direction, man, you got to just support them and let them go. Mm. Yeah. You know, I've, I've got a friend right now, he's, he's really into his own music, but I, I don't care for his music, it's too busy. He records his own stuff in his house, and it's layer after layer after layer after layer after layer of guitar yeah. in a blues song. Yeah. You don't need it, you know, instead of just the essence of the song. You know, you, so, so I guess what, what I'm getting at is, that, I mean, you're kind of answering it, is that like, my, my question is, what do you... I want to know emotionally and like verbally what I do about that. You know, that that's what I'm trying to get out of people. You that's know, what is, I said. you is, just wish them luck. You just wish them and luck you and you say nothing. You, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, you know, yeah. sometimes you just have to say, you know, that's not really what I want to do. Yeah. At this point in my life, okay, yeah. Yeah. you know, I'm 69 years old, mm. okay, playing 53 years. I, you know, I know where I want to go with music. I yeah. want to go to music that still pushes me along. Mm. I don't want to settle into it. Now, I don't expect everybody, uh, if, if Phil wants to go play country, I'm not saying he does, mm -hmm. but if he would want to, or um, Willie is really into uh, good uh, organ, bass, and drums. Yeah. He's really into a three-piece like that, yeah. you know, with no vocals. Well, I'm a singer, so I enjoy vocals. Yeah. I love playing with Willie uh, on drums, but that wouldn't be something I want to do full-time. It would be a part-time project right. for yeah. me. I want to get with guys who have a like mind, we just want to create some good music. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be doing, in this new thing we're doing, a couple of Steven Seagal songs. <laughs> you know, Mr. Kung Fu. Really yeah, I, I, heard, I, I heard that he that he played a little bit. That he had a he band plays band. a lot. He's that, got yeah. a huge guitar collection. Yeah. And he surrounds himself, because he can afford it, with incredible people. There's one song we're going to be doing, and Stevie Wonder plays a, a, a chromatic harmonica on it. Yeah, right. <laughs> on his yeah. album, you know. And yeah, so, cool. you know, a song is good if it's good. And, and if a guy wants to go in that direction from the band, you know, maybe the band could stay together and they can have side projects. That's sort right. of what I'm doing with Tony sure. and, and yeah. G. That's cool. Uh, yeah. But I don't want to give up the mule stuff. You right. know, Blue Plate Special has a phenomenal song list. That's all people talk about when they come to hear us. 
yeah. musicians coming here is because they don't get to hear this, these yeah. songs. Unique yeah. songs that exactly. not everybody yeah. plays all the time. Yeah. That's cool, man. Um, so so let's just let's just do it then. So the 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 open jams are really a huge part of our scene. You know, I think everybody would agree with that, that they're, they're an important part of our scene. And there's there's a reason why everybody goes to them because there's a lot of good stuff about them. You know, and there's a reason why they're so well attended. And, and even guys that are pretty set in the scene still come back and come. You know, there, there's, there's a lot of good things about it. Um, but all of us, you know, we are annoyed at one moment and then we go to the back of the bar and we go bitch to each other and then we you know and then not, nobody ever says anything you know to that to the person that needs to be some said some of us and don't so, say something some of, some of us do some of us do you know <laughs> some so, of us get in a lot the, of trouble yeah right and, the, and that that's kind of what that's that's kind of what I was getting with the, with the last question I was asking and we, and we were talking about this right before we started about general criticism in general like and that that's what what, what I was wanting to do with the show in general is when there's this elephant in the room at a jam, you know, and this guy is just 19 times in a row. He's come in here, played over everybody. He does the same three songs. He does whatever the thing is that, that is that big elephant in the room and the entire audience sees it, the entire jammers see it, the house, but you know, and nobody calls the dude on it, you know? And, and so it's the, it's the idea of, I think there's a lot going on there. The one that, that people don't take criticism very well as one. Mm -hmm. Second of all, that let's pretend a somebody like a Dave Hayes in town who's very well respected, right. knows mm -hmm. everybody, if he would come up to somebody and say something, I think some people would take it okay because he's so well respected, but I understand why somebody like him in town wouldn't go do that because he's trying to get people to come to his jam. If he does that to five jammers every night, you know, he ends up with nobody at his jam. So but I understand. But are those you know? the people you want at your jam? See, and that's the, that's that's the, the other point. part of it. And the, and my other part is the house or the, the club owner is not looking at this as happy fun time. You know, th this is a show right now. You know, there's two sides of this that, I, that I'm no, trying to... No, there are to, four sides to a jam. Yeah. You got a club owner who wants mm -hmm. to fill the seats, right. sell drinks, sell food, get tips for his girls. Yeah. Okay. You got a musician who said, I'm not playing this weekend, I get to go play. I mm -hmm. want to go up and play and I want to go and people will listen to me and I get to play different material and be great. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the, the audience. Mm -hmm. Okay. The audience goes there because they don't want to go there to say, well, what are we just going to play guitar this week? They're going to go there because they're expecting to hear some good music coming out of a bunch of guys that they know. Are they hoping to hear some crappy music? Hardly ever. It happens. And, you know, the problem with an open jam is, like, it's open. Okay? You know, like, like the problem with an acquired taste. You have to acquire it. You know, that's not easy to do sometimes. And uh, we've gotten to the point in Kansas City. Like, the best jam I ever went to in, in Kansas City was run by Terry Han Hancock mm -hmm. back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, uh, Blake Hughes on bass, Max Groove on keys, mm -hmm. okay? yeah. J.U. Daly on guitar, mm -hmm. Walt Chambers on guitar, Terry Hancock on drum. Mm -hmm. You cannot find five better players in Kansas City for for that know that kind of material that have that compendium of knowledge yeah. uh, of you know mainstream songs. And I and Hancock would run a jam like if he, if he invited somebody up to play, 
and they played great, he got a second song. Yeah. If he played, didn't play great, thank you. We'll see you next week. One song. Yeah, wow. Everybody in Kansas City is entitled now. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're on welfare, mm -hmm. and you expect to get those three songs every week, you know? And some guys don't deserve three songs. Mm. I'll go to a jam down at Clarksville, Mississippi, at Ground mm. Zero. Morgan Freeman's club. It's a blues mm. club down yeah. there. Okay, it's Ground Zero Blues Club. They stream their jam sessions, four or five of them a week. That's cool. Online, okay, live. That's cool. The first first time I went down there, a guy gets up and he starts playing guitar, and it got hola, 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 hola. It stops the song, goes over and talks to the guy, and the guy picks up his stuff and leaves, okay? And so during the break, I said, what did you say to this guy? He said, I told him this. Man, we're glad you came, but you need to go home and practice. And when you learn a little bit more, come back, and we'll love to have you come back again. Mm -hmm. Because he was bringing down the quality of the music. Mm -hmm. There was no quality of music when that guy was mm -hmm. playing. Okay. What they do at their jams down there, about the first two hours, they're auditioning people. Yeah, wow. And then the last two hours of the jam, they pick the people that they thought wow. could play wow. and they put a jam together and that is some good music because all the guys see, from Memphis go down there. See, I think that is awesome. Yeah. I think that's awesome. So what would you say to the people? And then there, the, the fourth one that I don't know if you were going to say this, but is the house band. The ha is is Because the, the house band has a different mentality than the than the jammers because the jammers aren't getting paid tonight. They're, they have another element to that where they want to stay. Hey. They want to... They want to keep their jam going, you know, because it's a gig to them, you know. So well, the houseman guys are in a strange fix. Mm -hmm. Most of them want to get the money. They want to play at first. Most of them want to play first hour. That's mm -hmm. crazy. You know, play a couple of songs and start mm -hmm. getting people up with you. I'm, I'm with okay? you on that. And, and not getting platoon music, okay? Have the house band get, we're going to have somebody come and play guitar with us. We're going to have somebody come and play violin with us. We've got a hard player. Mo Paul's going to come up and play a couple of songs with us. You know, the house band should invite people up and give them something to work with. Okay? Most of the time, though, the house band gets down and they start platooning guys in. If there aren't very many jammers there, you end up with the same group of guys every three songs. Mm -hmm. And it's just boring as hell. Mm -hmm. And, and a, a good jam host would mix it up. Yeah. Okay? He would, especially like uh, vocalists, okay? I have a thing with vocalists. They should be at an open mic. I don't think they should be at a jam session. Hmm. Because if you get a vocalist up there who wants to do all three songs, well, there's four or five other guys up there who, who can sing that don't get to do anything they want to do. Mm -hmm. And so I think a vocalist, one song is set. If they want to play another and sing another song, let them come back up the next set. If, and if the vocalist is weak, and there are a lot of those, <laughs> and if the harmonic <laughs> player is weak, and there are a lot of those. Mm. Okay. I'm pretty over harmonic. And if they're, oh, I'm I, pretty over it in I, this I, town. I, yeah, I, I hate to say it, but the, because you can suck and blow on a harmonica that is already pitched to that key, you can't be wrong. My favorite jam saying that I made up mm. was, you can't be wrong in a bad, but you can in a jam, but you can be bad. Mm. Okay. Mm. Because in a jam, you can do about anything you want as long as it works. Yeah. But if you can't play, mm. or if your idea of what is good just doesn't work, you know, it, it's it, it leaves a funny feeling out in the crowd because the crowd's going to applaud no matter what. Mm -hmm. If you get off of the stage, people are conditioned to say, "Nice job." Right. And mm -hmm. you know, I've talked to a bunch of old time musicians. They say, "Man, that's the worst thing you can say to somebody." Mm -hmm. 
and you talk to the old guys, they say that, you know, jams really, you know, if you look at the history of jams and, and the essence of what a jam is supposed to be, a jam is supposed to be a serious student wanting to learn something new, okay? And that serious student is also a pro player because the pro players want to get together and stretch out. They want other people of their caliber to see where it will go, mm -hmm. okay? Because if you go to, like, Kansas City jams, you're going to end up playing a song as close to the record as you can get without going off on any, on any tangents. What, uh, what can you do with the one? How can you take that one and move it around a little bit? What can you say on your instrument to that one uh, before the dynamics come back around again? Uh, they're so used to playing songs that are almost a formula of, of the recording that they don't take that one and just go measure. If you listen to, a, uh, I think it's Blind Man in the Dark on the Government Mule uh, Live at the Deep End, mm -hmm. there's a sax solo in there that's on the one for probably 80 measures. Mm -hmm. It's brilliant because they give this guy time to say what he needs to say, mm. okay? And it's, uh, and, and the, he and the bass go back and forth. You can tell when the guys, you, you develop momentum in a song and you get the song going and it's gonna hold that momentum and it can bring everybody else into that stream and it inspires everyone to wanna to add something to it in that stream of that momentum. And it, it's just a cool thing, but here in Kansas City, it's 12 bars and you're out. Mm. Or 24 bars in your app. That's my other two, big, two, two rounds and then, my, yeah, and then you're My big pe pet peeve in Kansas City is, uh, is seven and eight guys on stage. Mm. Okay, because I've timed it out. You can get, if you have two guys playing a song, most songs are about four minutes. Right. A solo is about 45 seconds. Yeah. Almost slow or fast, if you count it out, it's about 40 to 45 seconds. Okay, and so a guy plays it twice. All of a sudden, a four minute song. Is a four is almost a five minute song, and then you get the second guitar player that wants to play his three minutes. Harmonic, okay, all sax, violin, play. all of a sudden yeah. it's eight and minutes. Then you got the harmonica yeah, yeah. guy, yeah. and then God forbid you've got a horn player on stage with him. I don't know why they do that. A sax player and a harmonica player, or harmonica player and a trumpet player. You know, if you get a sax and a trumpet player, at least they can do ensemble stuff. And some guys get upset if I'm singing a song somewhere and I've got a horn section up there. I just tell them to do ensemble work. I don't really give them solos because the songs are long enough anyway. And, and, and songs are written to have ensemble horns in them. They're not written to have just horn solos. Right. Plus, there's two more guys noodling all the time. And, and there are trumpet players and there are harmonica players that play over the vocals. Uh, when a guy's trying to sing a song, they're playing over it. When a guy's trying to play a lead, they're trying to play over him. They, they haven't learned the respect you know, yeah. you have to respect these other guys. Yeah, and, uh, and 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 so the some of the jams here in town are pretty sophomoric. I mean, I hate to use that word, <laughs> but there are a lot of guys that all they care about is stage time yeah. and being heard. Yeah. And jams aren't about stage time. To me, they're not. I don't need to play on weekends because I play every day at home. Right. And right. and I play enough with pickup jobs and with my band. I don't have to go to a jam. I go to see people. Right. Okay. If I'm lucky enough that the people I like can play well and we get up and we get called together. And even sometimes if they're kids, there's a couple of young guys that I like to play with because they're they're trying to learn. You know, and that's what it's for. Is he's we have one kid who used to stare at the wall, Kyle. Mm -hmm. He would stare at the wall, not face the crowd and play acoustic guitar. You can throw him under the bus now. He will play anything. Yeah. In about eight years he has come that far along. Yeah. And uh, 
it's just a pleasure to see that's kind of and, and he does some of the old school stuff too. yeah that's there's a bunch of stuff you said right there that was really interesting I know um, one one thing that I found always fun is that you know one one advantage I have with with my instrument is it's really unique. I mean, I'm the only one you ever see, you know, violin. Yeah, there's another guy. Jam. Yeah, there's a couple. He but won't play in B flat though. <laughs> he told me, he's a, I'm not gonna play. Yeah, no, man. But I, there, there's not many, you know, in yeah. Kansas City, and it's all guitar and sax and whatever. But the the one thing that's really interesting about trying to make sure you get your stage time, and it is it is annoying to me once in a while when everybody does the fills and I get my one solo, but then there's no other room for me in the entire rest of the song. And so you, you've seen me at jams. I literally just stand there. That's all yeah. jazz guys do, the horn players, you know, when they're right. not, right. when it's somebody else's solo, they're standing there doing nothing. Well, and, and so like the, but having said that, I've had times where I, I felt it and everybody else has felt it on stage that, you know, that like I was, with some choices, and this is tooting my own horn, but there's there's one moment that I had with Dave Hayes one time where we had we we're at Firehouse and we like we destroyed Whipping Post that night. I mean, it was just like I mean, we just annihilated. It was a great show, and and we could tell that you know it was a couple of songs, and then Whipping Post, and and this guy came off stage, or I came off stage, and you know I I played really good, and everybody's like, oh my god, you know Whipping Post with the violin, they were freaking out, you know, and. And, and I looked at the dude and I'm like, and I, I looked at him and I'm like, yeah, you know, I pretty much kind of dominated this, yeah. this group tonight, you know, in, in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Like I was the most exciting thing about that just now. Mm -hmm. And I go, yeah. And I played a third of that set. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of the amount of time sure. of, of rest, yeah. then play and then rest. And so the, I think there's a huge argument to be made that you know, you can really play absolutely nothing and, and destroy a dude. It, it reminds me of imp, of like regular improv where a guy kind of like comedy improv where a guy goes off and does his, you know, kind of uh, Robin Williams kind of shtick where he's all over the place and talk and then the guy comes back and he gives the, well, somebody needs Ritalin and he gets the huge laugh. You know, he the guy did two minutes of crap and then the dude gives him a one, you know, this crazy one-liner and he just takes over the show because it was so perfectly put and so sure. and so you know I, I agree with you that it, it's really annoying when you have guys with that mentality of me 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 you know and and you can be if you do it right you can be way more effective with with well you know, the cool thing about your playing and and everybody's like this who's worth a crap okay you're fearless you got to be fearless at a jam mm -hmm. you can't go up there oh I don't know that uh, no, I don't want to play that song. I don't know it. Mm. That's not the point of being mm. a jam session. Uh, Carl uh, Carl Butler down at Gospel Lounge throwing people under the bus. He loves throwing people under the mm. bus. I love being thrown under the bus. Mm. You know, I was thrown under the bus a, a number of times New Year's Eve. <laughs> but I came out because you figure it out. Yeah. You know, if if you're a player, and I don't want to say a pro player because that gets used too much. You see it all the time in Craigslist. I've got a pro player, pro gear. You know, I'm ready to go. Call me up. Oh, you okay. have a lot of pro gear, all right. Oh, but, yeah. but, you know, <laughs> yeah. but that's what this guy is. And a pro attitude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but uh, you don't have to be a pro to do it. You just have to be able to play. You know, guitar players that tell you, I've got this and this and this, and I've rigged this up, and I'm going, who cares? Just play guitar. Can you do a shuffle? Yeah. Drummer, can, can you do a shuffle? There are drummers that can't play shuffle. Absolutely cannot play shuffle. 
you know, and, and they're, you know, everybody has a right to get up. And if, let's get back to jams for a mm-hmm. second. The jam hosts can manage these to help these guys sound better, but they don't. Mm. A good jam host thinks. A good jam host is now, you know, chasing women, partying with his buddies, getting back up and reading off a list, and then going back to party, okay? A jam host looks at who he's got, who he can play with, who he can put with who. Will this guy bring this guy up a level? Will this guy bring this guy down a level? Yeah. Okay? And, and that's sort of how you have to look at this stuff. Will that guy be okay with being brought down a level? You know, yeah. that, all, uh-huh. all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah. you know, and, a jam, and so it gets to a point where the jam host has to say, we have five guys in here that are great players. We need to put them together, regardless of when they came in and when they signed up, okay? Having a turn counts maybe the first hour or so, but after that, the jam host should put together bands that are going to do something for the people. Because in the final analysis, if there are no people enjoying the jam, well, they won't be in the club. If there's nobody in the club, there's not going to be a jam. There's not going to be a host, you know, host band. So you've got to keep the quality of music up there. And if people need to work on something, they really should be told they need to work on it. And if they're serious, they will work on it. Mm. You know. You talked about being thrown over under the bus. The the good ones, I mean, basically most of the people that I've talked to, like almost ever in my life, always talk about the idea. And and even again, Phil talked about his son. He was like, I he was talking about his son getting just destroyed at a audition one time. He's like, they gave it to me and I had nothing. And it was, and he, he said it was, and then Dave Chappelle has talked about that too. His second time out going, he's like, I bombed so bad. You know, it's the worst anybody's ever bombed in history. He's like, it's the best thing that's ever happened. You know, he talks about that mentality of, sure. of, of getting thrown under the bus and making that be like the best thing that's ever happened to him because he went, Oh, I'm not gonna do that again. You know, I'm yeah. not gonna be unprepared. I'm not. I'm gonna go learn this song. I'm gonna go learn a shuffle beat because I don't want this to happen ever again. Because I don't know a shuffle. You know, most guys don't yeah. review themselves mm-hmm. after they've played. Yeah. Now, I don't much. I will if I play with somebody really well and something happens in the jam that it really takes off and goes somewhere, or if I don't feel real comfortable about it, I'll take it home and I'll I'll go over in my head what didn't I do? What mm-hmm. could I have done better? Yeah. If I play a song in a jam that's new to me, I'll go home and I'll look it up on YouTube. Yeah. If that guy and I show up at a jam and he calls that song again, the next time I'm going to know yeah. how that song's supposed to feel. I may not know all the drum parts, right. but I'm going to know how that have song is supposed yeah. to feel. Yeah. And then I, if I have this basic knowledge and I'm listening to this guy, I can take the two and I can put together my presentation right. of how I think he wants the song to, yeah, to, that's be, cool. you know, to sound. Because inevitably the dude will call it again. <laughs> Well, you know what I'm joking? Like everybody well, else does here's their, the deal, their you know, songs. I do a lot of songs, and, and a lot of guys can't play them or won't play them. I have one guy say, well, the songs you do are so hard. Why do they do songs that are so hard? Because I played the easy songs 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know? You know? It's yeah. getting back to skiing the hard blues. Sure, yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and so yeah. It, it's like this bring it on. If I were a cheerleader, yeah. I'd be good. Bring it on. Bring it on. What do right. you got? Yeah, Let's yeah, hear yeah. it. And I, I'm definitely like you, you know, I, I don't, I look at, like in classical, we, we have a mentality of like, it's kind of the book mentality of this, of the sense that I, 
right now I'm on book one, right? And yeah. now I need to go to book two. And then I, you know, and eventually I want to book five. And, book, you know, we look mm -hmm. at music in that scale. And um, a lot of, a lot of like blues guys, I would say, don't look at it in that same sense where they kind of learn their eight chords, you know, they're a couple of minors, yeah. couple of majors, my sevens, and then they learn shuffle, funk, Pentatonic slow, scale. Yeah, they, yeah, their yeah. blues scale, yeah. and then there isn't anything else to do. They've done it uh -huh. because, because now they can play 800 blues songs, you know, because <laughs> they, they know their three keys in their, or their, their five keys in their three styles, and they're done. There's, yeah. nothing, there's nothing more to learn. And I don't mind that because they don't care about jazz. They don't care about classical. They want to play blues. And I'm like, good for you. Do it. But I, I totally disagree in the sense that don't complain to me when you're not getting any better because you don't, because they don't have that mentality of, you know, well, yeah, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star is an awesome song. Have you ever heard Whipping Post? <laughs> you know, yeah. have you ever heard, yeah. you know, Debussy? Have you ever heard Mozart? Have you ever yeah. heard Miles Davis? Have you, you know, like you're, you're missing, you're just missing the... The, the you know it's like loving Australia but that's all you know and I'm like I've always you wanted to do a, a a couple of Dave Brubeck things rock and roll style mm. Blue Rondo all I turn mm -hmm. yeah okay that's a fabulous I'd love, song love to do that you know yeah. with a rock band just to see what would happen with it how many and, guys can and, handle well, that song? what was the other one uh, others that I can't think of the name yeah. of right now but uh, yeah on Dave Brubeck's Take Five album mm -hmm. there are two songs in there I'd like I'd like to see a band do. It's a beautiful song. Um, so one other thing that you said there that was really interesting, and I, I don't necessarily want to... Okay, so there was a guy in town, and I won't mention his name, but he put out, a again, a Facebook post a couple years ago, and it was about jams, and he mentioned the same word you did with serious students. And he his his perspective was probably very similar to yours, where he goes... He his premise of his post was, I think jams are for professionals and serious students. That uh -huh. was basically the yeah. sentence that he put out, and then he you know explained why. But um, at first, I I hundred percent agreed with that, and then I kind of backtracked myself a little bit, and I'm like, well, I would you know in my eyes, I would open it up to a couple more people, but I hundred percent understand his perspective of the fact of like you you need to be ready to be at this jam right now. You know, you need, and that, so I 100% mm -hmm. agreed with him on that premise of this, this is what this is for, of people that are like gonna take this seriously and are gonna take their music career seriously. Well, and that's part of the problem, because I do take it seriously. You, yeah. can, you can tell, you know, yeah. I listen to songs. I'll go yeah. home and I'll look something up. Yeah. Uh, I try to, I listen to guys while I'm sitting in the crowd, you know. You and care about bettering your, bettering your talent and bettering, you know, like, yeah, yeah, uh -huh. yeah, and to me, uh, jams in Kansas City have just turned into this casual thing where uh, a, a name could show up. Yeah. Uh, you know, just name anybody you, right. you think is good. The the hosts love to get them there because they rarely come, and they rarely come because the jams are so simple. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. but when they do show up, the jam host goes crazy mm -hmm. and gets them up there. And uh, and and the guys who who play a lot, who are just good, just can't get it up to go mm -hmm. to play with some of these things. Yeah. The, and then the, so the, the last thing I'll say on this, I guess, um, is the idea that this, you know, this has, this question has a million, uh, 
political connotations to it, but what would you say to the people that feel that you and I's perspective on you need to be good enough to be at this jam and those guys saying what you were talking about the the one in mississippi or whatever where yeah. the guy gets up in one song he's like well you know and, and you're and what would you say to the people that think that that's too harsh i just need to tell them that you know dennis miller the comedian mm. okay he said there are two worlds there's the real world and there's the joke world mm. and in the joke world you gotta wear a cup <laughs> okay, so in the jam world, you got to wear a cup. Mm. Do you want to know what people think about your playing honestly? Yeah, do okay? you want to know? Yeah, yeah. Like when you tell somebody to turn down, mm. it's not a personal affront, it's a critique. Yeah, it's telling someone that their presentation isn't working. Yeah, okay, and it's trying to help them along. If I would come <coughs> up and say, You're a little flat on your low E, right. They would love to hear that because if they can't hear it, they'll fix it and they'll, they know they'll sound better. Mm -hmm. Okay. So w when you look at volume, it's a critique. And if you look at, you know, work on this, you know, uh, there seems to be a, a boy, I'm going to get in trouble for this. Can you edit this out? <laughs> there seems to be a crop of women now in their 40s and 50s who decided <laughs> they, should, they should have been singers all their lives. Oh. And... And some of them are just really Please nice girls. Mention names. <laughs> no, no, no. But but you know how Out can yourself. you all of a sudden have this epiphany that right. I should have been a singer? Okay, when you can't count, we all well, know the girl knocking on. How do you know there's a chick singer knocking on your door? Oh well, that's kind of mean. <laughs> anyway. But yeah. yeah then, but I, but yeah. it's not just chick singers. Oh it's no, harmonica it's, players it's a, too. Because you know harmonica is the cheapest. <laughs> it's the cheapest instrument to buy. The easiest instrument to carry. The easiest instrument in the world to play. But they bring in their triple stack. It's not the easiest instrument to play. For one harmonica. Yeah. Uh, uh, for for a harmonica player to gain my respect, I want to hear him play chromatic. Yeah. If a guy can a play chromatic harmonica. A lot of guys can't. I know they can't. A lot of guys don't know what harmonica to use for a, a key. There was a guy, Knuckleheads, three weeks ago, brought one harmonica. And he wasn't so, going to get on get on. So you and I, and I, I didn't coin this phrase, but I said this a couple of my shows back, is that I, I figured it out what my annoyance with in bands is. It's when, and it's this word cluelessness. That That's what I'm annoyed at with basically any moment is the cluelessness of when a singer gets up and they go, well, I don't know what key I sing this in, right? It's the cluelessness of not knowing what harmonica you're supposed to be playing on here. A cluelessness to know that, oh yeah, that's called a shuffle. You know, it's cluelessness of, of when they get up at a jam and you try to call, um, you try to call a 11 chord song with this group on stage really stupid you know you need to call you know well, you, and you it's all of those all those cluelessness moments and that's where that's maybe what both of us are kind of trying to say where we're maybe at a point where i'm kind of over cluelessness i'm well, emotionally be clueless over it. because you're naive mm. and you can be clueless because you're self-absorbed mm -hmm. you can't be self-aware if you're self-absorbed it's impossible mm. And if you're self-absorbed in, in your new career or it's just in being on stage or, you know, I want to be in a band, what do you want to play? I don't care. I just want to be in a band. You, mm. know? you know what I mean. And singing's easy and harmonica's easy. I want to be on stage with a band. A lot of these singers that show up to these things really should be 
you know, like I said, at at an open mic instead of an open, you know, instead of a jam. Because they're they're using up a lot of time and they're they're using up resources mm. and they're stealing time away from them and and they're not aware of how they are. They haven't paid their dues. They haven't schooled themselves. Mm. And, and in music, the only way you can learn is to have feedback, negative feedback. Yeah. You're, if if everything you do is great and perfect, yeah. you're you're never going to review what you've done mm. because it's good enough. Yeah. You know. And I, I, I have, I've been called a jam snob because I've gone to probably two jams a week. I, I probably am too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've gone to a couple jams a week since 1993 or 94, something yeah. like that, since, since the Terry yeah. Hancock thing. Yeah. Um, and so I know all these guys. And if you don't know the person, you know the type. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because, you know, jams are cross-section of humanity. Yeah. They're just people who yeah. happen to have an instrument in their hand and happen right. to be in a bar between ten and twelve. Right. Okay. Right. And uh, and so you can listen to a type, and before they even go on stage, you can tell what they're going to be like. <laughs> you know. And, and there's another. There is another difference. I have to get right out. There are some fabulous players out there. I know a couple. A couple of drummers have great hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Couldn't find a groove. With a shovel, mm. they just can't find a group. Mm. There are guys who are great players who can't jam. Mm. There are sure. guys who can yeah. write who can't play. Oh sure. Yeah. There are guys who can play solos who don't know chords. Right. There are guys right. who play chords that can't play solos. Yeah. You know, yeah, they're talented. Are people. You know, it's a cross yeah. section of humanity. Right. People have different talents in different right. areas. Well, that's great. That's not a bad thing, you know. Yeah. But but yeah, I know what you mean. Some... So I get snobby in the sense that. I would like to be able, uh, you know, in the writing that I do, I write for magazines for a living, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm paid for 40-some years to review something and give an honest opinion of it mm-hmm. in print. Mm-hmm. And and so I can't help but do that when I go to see a jam. And and you're sitting here at a table, and, and somebody walks in, oh, here's this guy, we're going to do this song, this song, and this song. Yeah. Okay, and then you hear non-musicians behind you saying the same thing. You know the guy's worn out as welcome, but they'll applaud for him. Because he is up there playing. Black Magic Woman's coming. <laughs> and then there you go, third song. You know, it's like, no, no. But anyway, yeah. So I don't know. I'm always really fascinated by that. And, and again, I don't want to get into a, get into a political conversation. But this is a big thing in, in our political landscape right now of people taking not being able to take criticism and obsessing about feelings when they need to, when they need to kind of just realize that, you know, this, and, and you, you mentioned something too, that I'm really talking about your volume right now. Everything else you're doing is great. Yeah. You just need to turn yours from a six to a three and and then you're going to do perfect. And then they lose their minds and people are nervous that people are going to, that this guy's gonna lose it in the bar right in front of the house band and make a big scene or not come back or you know and some dudes will make you know make be mad and never come back and go tell a bunch of other people how much a dick this guy was and but stuff. Do but do you want them at your jam? Yeah, and, and you've got to have people to jam that are gonna yeah. support the jam mm-hmm. and that are gonna perform well. Yeah. Okay. You've got to have an audience that is used to hearing good music that has a certain amount of taste. Yeah. That know that, that they can depend on this. Jam, excuse me, this jam host 
or this club to have entertainment there. Yeah. That's going to be good entertainment. It's not going to be something we're going to have one drink and leave. And that, and that you, you mentioned too, that that's another really good point because that's what happened to me, I know, when I started running my band is that I was 100%, it, it was like this battle of club owner, musician to me. You know, I saw the spectrum of you're either this side or that side, you know. And so at first I was 100% with the musicians. You know, I 100% I understood, oh, all these guys are evil. They're just out there for money, da, da, da. And then when I ran my band, I... It's not that I came over to their side, but I was like, oh, there's four people in this restaurant right now. I get it now. You know, I yeah, understand. It's, they it's they can't give us $500. There's four people in this place. Well, in you the know? old and days, so, when I was started playing Kansas City, there were like Bobby D's West, Instant Replay, places like that, One uh, one Block West. These are big clubs that were packed all the time. Yeah. The music scene has changed. Sure. The people that own clubs have changed. Okay, they don't get the volume in there they used to get. There used to be cover charges. Yeah, I think there should be cover charges. Mm. You know, why should a guy walk in someplace for free, get a phone call from a friend of his, and just take off and go somewhere else because mm. he didn't have anything invested in being there? Mm. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, and I think if a guy wants to see a band, he should put down his you know three, four, five bucks, whatever it is. Mm. I, the the best place I ever went was I think Quincy, Illinois. You pay four bucks to get in, you get a free beer. Cost mm. a guy what seventy five cents, but you yeah. get a beer. Yeah. Okay. And you're invested in the place. Yeah. You know, and that'll pay for the band. And uh, you know, Kansas City is just—it's a funny market. A lot of people say Kansas City has pretty much lost it. Because mm. it's not the same. You know, the the guys who used to run Bobby D's—they were supportive of the bands. They talked to the band. They respected the bands. You guys need this. You guys need that. Yeah. These days, all you are is an expense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and bands don't market themselves well. There's a band out there uh, that plays everywhere once <laughs> because they get out and they market. Yeah. There's a band out there that will undercut anybody. You can undercut a band mm -hmm. and you will be undercut by this band. Well, there's some, ba there's some bands that play everywhere once because they don't market. <laughs> you know, they, they play once and the guy's like, well, you, you know, well, there's 10 people in this place. Sure. You guys are great players, but... And then they go to the next place, and it's the same thing. They, there's seven people in the bar, and the guy's like, well, you guys are really good, but, you know, and then they just keep going to every single bar, and they get basically kicked out of yeah, uh, yeah. bars one after another. And, and that was the other big thing that I've come to the other conclusion about is that, you know, I 100% I see the musician's argument that, you know, that is it our job to bring you your literal entire... You know, it not not sung, but your literal entire oh, bar. Oh, yeah. But I also see the bar owner's perspective now. I, I understand that um, that how how is this hurting your band to market yourself? Tell me how that hurts your band to market your own self. It does. Do you know what I mean? You know, so so I, I see a balance there. I'm, I'm well, kind of skirting the, the fence. You on know, it, if but, you go to a club owner and talk about your band hiring, how many friends do you have on Facebook? Yeah. Okay. You know, in the final analysis, every bar out there is a neighborhood bar. Yeah. Okay? Every bar out there has people that live in that neighborhood mm -hmm. that stop in or are going from work, stop in that bar for drinking and going home. Okay? Every band is a neighborhood bar. There's a place we play down south. And I told a girl, I said, we're from Kansas City. They don't know us down here. She said, well, I've heard you and I like you. Mm -hmm. And I have the same crowd every week. It's my job 
just to make sure yeah. that there's good entertainment. Yeah. Here. See, and that's what I owe my clientele right. because they're the same people every week. And you notice which bars do really well in town. Green Lady, they kill it. You know, I mean, they're a jazz club, and they they have the Phoenix is another one yeah. that, that's pretty established. But everybody knows that when you go to the Green Lady, it is not going to be a crappy band. When you go to the Phoenix, it's pretty much not going to be a crappy band. Even a place like BB's is sort of like that. They have a pretty yeah. decent clientele, and that you know that first of all, you're going to get blues, and you're probably going to get some pretty good blues in general. Frank's but, going to rockabilly. Have you noticed that? Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, Frank's yeah. Frank's yeah. a lot of rockabilly down there. But, but, but even, even so, you know, there's some bars in town, and obviously Knuckleheads is a big, you know, yeah. big, they, they pretty much only hire at least draw crowd people. Uh -huh. and, and so that, that's, and the thing about that too is, is kind of the different types of bars too, because we noticed this when we went down to talk to uh, uh, the Ozarks area. They're like, Dude, we get it. You know, you're not bringing a crowd to this bar. It's yeah. three hours away, yeah. you know. But they're like, we don't care. I mean, June 17th, this place is going to be packed, yeah. right? July, you know, July yeah. 40 or July 28th, this is still going to be packed. You know, it's it's during summer and what, you know, so they're, they're, they're sitting at the same mentality of that lady is where she's like, I don't care about you bringing me a crowd. There's already going to yeah. be a huge, it's already going to be out the door packed anyway. But... In my opinion, the club owners in Kansas City don't see it that way. You know, they, they don't see it. Yeah, they, you're an expense. You're, an you're expense, a three or four hundred dollar you know. expense. Yeah. Okay. And that's that's how they look at it. Yeah. And so the the clubs don't promote the bands like they should. Like we make our own posters up and get our posters out ahead of time. Yeah. So you know everything is marketing. Uh, we you have to decide what you want your band to sound like, and that's your product. And you have to fill that product. You have to reach yeah. that, achieve that goal. Yeah. We do very few uh, top 40 tunes. Mm. Yeah. Almond Brothers, Government Mule, yeah. you know, stuff like that. We bring back some classic stuff that's really good, some Three Dog Night, yeah. uh, mm. Zombies, you know, <laughs> stuff like that, that. That We do our own take on some of this stuff. Dave that's Matthews, cool. yeah. she's not there. Great song, mm -hmm. great mm -hmm. version of it. Uh, but you, you just have to be able to entertain people. Now, we have a lot of crowds that come to see Blue Plate Special who don't dance at all. Yeah. We had one, we, there's one club we played at, and they'll never hire us back because they had a, a history of sending the bands home early and only paying them half mm -hmm. if they didn't have a crowd. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's a pretty insecure club owner. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's a club owner who doesn't promote. That's a club owner who doesn't know. It's clientele. Needs the bands we in order had, to draw a crowd. We, we went out, we, so we, we let them know ahead of time, we're coming out and we're going to load, unload, set up, we're going to play four hours and we expect a certain amount of money. Mm -hmm. And we're not leaving early mm -hmm. and we will play our full four hours and, and that's the way we, well, they'll never hire us again after that. But when we got out there, there were 30, 31 people in the club, mm -hmm. there were 87 people in the club at one o'clock in the morning. Every one of them stayed. Yeah, we're really good at holding a crowd yeah. because you don't know what you're going to hear. Musicians come to hear us because they say we don't get to hear this kind of music yeah. in Kansas cool. City. You know, so yeah. it, it's marketing. The band has to market. The club has to market, and then the people have to decide if the entertainment is worth it and if the club is a decent venue. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go to a club where there's four or five resident drunks or four or five resident slobs, mm -hmm. you know. Or the, the club never cleans up. 
or if the yeah. you know the, the smoke crackers have been you know out of order for three years, you know you're not going to get a lot of people in there. Yeah. You're, you know, it's kind of an entire package. You're talking, you know, of what and that, that's so. Yeah, and I just, I just well, love Marshall Saper. Remember him, the economist. Mm -hmm. uh, the, he's a psychologist. Mm -hmm. He had a show here in Kansas City. People call about problems with their kids. You get the kids you deserve. Okay. <laughs> okay. Clubs get the people. Clubs get the crowds they deserve. That's a heck of a quote. You get the kids you deserve. Yeah. <laughs> and, and clubs are the same way. I mean, if you got it, if you treat. The, your local clientele with respect, mm -hmm. and if you give them good entertainment and give them a value for their dollar and give them a comfortable place to come and be, yeah. okay, you, you got it made. That's what Frank does down at Knuckleheads. Yeah. That's what Christine does. Yeah. Her place. That's that's a little place in Kansas City, but it's probably the most fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got a good thing going on yeah. there. Um, so cool, man. Uh, maybe maybe two more quick ones here for you. Do you, uh, we we've talked a lot about obviously vice and stuff but um what would what would you say is maybe one or two kind of biggest piece of advice you would have for those kind of 20-ish year olds or young younger guys that are just now ready to kind of or thinking at least about you know yeah either going to the jams or become become a professional musician you got any advice for them i would say find your sound mm. i play with a couple of musicians a couple of young guys i played with one guy who's He's sort of gotten out of music right now, but when he was 18, he was like Joe Bonamassa good. Mm -hmm. Brilliant kid. And he studied and studied and studied and practiced and practiced and practiced. And he found his sound. Mm -hmm. There's a kid I play with right now uh, at the jam sessions. He's 19. His mom and dad are very positive about his music career. Mm -hmm. uh, the kid's a good player, but he's not paying his dues. Mm -hmm. Okay? He hasn't found his sound. He complains, well, I can't get my sound out of this amp. Well, bring your own amp. Mm -hmm. Well, it's too heavy. What do you want? Do you want to not have to carry an amp, or do you want to sound good on stage? Mm -hmm. If you're going to produce a sound, if you're going to produce music the way you think you have to produce it from your soul and your head, you've got to have the equipment that's going to let you do it. Mm -hmm. You know, It's difficult as a drummer to play on some of the drums that I have to play on at these jam sessions. Mm -hmm. Besides the fact that they're set up all cattywampus, most of the heads are worn out. I'm dead. Sure. You know, yeah. or or the the cymbals are too loud, or the cymbals don't sound good, and it's difficult to really emote, mm. you know, a yeah. song, especially if you're singing and playing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I need the drums to be set and done with, yeah, yeah. so I can focus so on what I'm doing as yeah. a vocalist. Yeah. Okay. And it's you just can't do that at some of these drum kits in the, in the jam sessions. And I'm sure that a lot of guitar players, uh, Bruce Sider brings his own gear, the J.D. Summers brings his own gear, uh, because they know their sound. Yeah. And uh, they know how to get it. And uh, that that's what I would say to a young kid. You probably never have a new car, probably never have a brand new house, mm. if you want music to be in your life. Mm. If you want to be a, uh, Chris Fryer, the guy I talked to in Birmingham, first time I went to his house. He's never had a job other than as a drummer. Yeah, wow. I went to his house. Marble columns mm -hmm. had a, a three horses in a fountain with a circle driveway, right. and a three car garage. Yeah. And I go in his office, and he's got uh, uh, CMA awards and he's got Grammys. All this guy's ever done is play drums, wow. but he plays drums well. Yeah, and he decided that's what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Good for Most him. of us aren't going to get to that level, yeah, because we can't. We have life to deal with, mm -hmm. we have relationships to deal yeah. with. 
a lot of us, just by being musicians, are short of chocolates and immature. <laughs> you know? But, I always but say it's that playfulness. Yeah. It's that playfulness and that optimism that keeps us doing this yeah. stuff. This is a Christopher Lloyd quote from a movie. We're adults, technically. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. that's a good line. But, exactly. uh, but you said something interesting uh, about, and this is, again, this has a thousand other political connotations to it, but the idea of figure it out. You know, is is it be be a little bit more creative. The kids sitting there like, but my da 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 da. You know, like, dude, bring your own amp. Do you know? Get another guitar. Yeah. Like, get, get figure out to get some money to go get a guitar. You know, do, like change your song. Like, do pay do, your dues. Pay your dues. Like, pay your dues. My my thing is just you can't like, live at home when you're 19 and not mm-hmm. have a girlfriend and live with your mom and dad mm-hmm. and pay your dues. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. When I was 19, I started playing when I was 18, I totally divorced myself from my family uh, financially mm-hmm. when I was 19. And I had to make a living. Mm-hmm. And so I would play jobs for $25, $30. Yeah. You know, of course, this was 50 years ago. Yeah. You know, first job I ever played, I made $7.45. Okay? <laughs> and I was a musician. Wow. Okay? Yeah. And I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. And so you, you can have jobs on the side. And ideally, you'll have a career on the side. Because the, the good musicians are bright people. Mm-hmm. And the good musicians can figure things out because you have to be a manager. Mm-hmm. You have to have control of your life. Yeah. Now, there are guys who say, oh, his art is so great, and he died so young because he did drugs. Well, to me, that's not really a success story. Mm-hmm. You, know? you can have a lot of good ideas. Everybody has good ideas. But how do those ideas grow? How do you grow as a person? Mm. Do you want to grow just as a musician? Yeah. Or do you want to grow as a person? Yeah. I went to Victor Wooten's seminar a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago down, and, and, and he talked about three hours. It was the most inspiring seminar I've ever been to, and it was on bass. And I'm a drummer. Mm. But bass and drums are like brothers and sisters, mm. okay? And Victor Wooten talked for three hours about how your music is going to reflect your life and your life is going to reflect your music. Wow, yeah. And you everything like he talked live. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He said, you go through life. He said, I know that the, the buzzer on my microwave is D-flat. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I know that my horn is, yeah. a, is a G. What's your, what's your know, doorbell? <laughs> it's, I know when I'm driving 60 miles out on the road, uh, on on one road, uh, the the I'm getting 140 beats a minute, you know that kind of stuff. He said, "You've got to bring your music into your life. You've yeah, got to wow. understand, you know, that it's all one thing." Yeah, that's that's great. Um, yeah. So that last question for you, um, I, I tr- I've been trying to end all the shows like this. Is uh, everybody loves gig stories? You got you got a really crazy moment that, or a oh. really great moment, or a completely hor- horrible moment that you're laughing at now, or like. I have uh, so many. Yeah, yeah. Because I've been very lucky. Mm. Uh, I, I was just barely starting to play, and I could set in with a band called The Music Machine mm. back in the '60s. They did a song called Talk Talk, and then I met a drummer once who was playing with Kenny Rogers in the first edition. So mm. he invited me up to their sound check. And asked me if I'd play drums at their, for their sound check for Kenny Rocky. Yeah, is, wow. Okay, and so that kind of stuff. And I've been really lucky to meet people along the way. Mm. Uh, you know, I've played on Guam, I've played in, in uh, yeah. uh, Mexico, Canada. Cool. Uh, uh, toured in in club bands. I've toured in the uh, the tribute band. Nominated for a Grammy last year. Um, 
it's just uh, the the different places you play. Uh, I was up on a drum riser on top of the stage on top of an 18-wheeler flatbed. <laughs> so I was way up there. Yeah, that's okay. way up there. And yeah. it didn't rain. It was a, a 4,000 bikes yeah. at a bike rally in McAllen, Texas. Yeah, wow. So we're down there, and it, the cloud burst. Everybody, all the other bands quit. We're supposed to start at 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Well, we stick around. The other bands have gone. Everybody's hanging out in the rain. The rain moves out. We start playing at 1.30. The crowd loves us because we stuck around to play for them, doing a ZZ yeah. Top show yeah, in wow. Texas, okay? Yeah. Which is great. And we're up there playing, and I feel something on my shoulder, look over, and there's a boob on my shoulder. <laughs> I feel something on my other shoulder, and there's a boob on my other shoulder. <laughs> so I'm sitting there playing, and I'm, you know, feeling like, got milk? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and this drunk guy down there, hey, baby, you having fun? It's his girlfriend. Hey, baby. Are you on oh, Goodness there, gracious. <laughs> that is funny. We've seen, I've seen violence. Yeah. I've seen fights. I've seen shootings. Oh, wow. Uh, I've seen accidents. I've seen a balcony collapse with people on it. Uh, I saw a boat blow up. I was playing on the Larry Don excursion <laughs> boat. We were playing in a cove. And the guy, we were going to turn around to go back in at the end of the cruise. And, and all these boats had followed us and were circling us in this cove where we were parked there. And this guy started his boat up without blowing the bilge up. And then, boom, just blew this boat up. You know, so... Uh, you know, it's so a great many, business to get into. Well, that's just it. You know, you, you, you get the business you deserve. You get yeah. the experiences you deserve. Yeah. And that's what I tell, tell kids who want to play. I can't imagine being my age and not having played music. Yeah. Yeah. And I know what I've had to give up. Mm-hmm. And I accepted that right off the bat. Yeah. And, I, and I've gone against it. I have had new cars. I have had a new house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've managed to do that because of writing because of working, having a good work ethic. You can't just lay around and dream of being a star and get good. It doesn't work that way. You have to have a work ethic. I see a lot of kids these days that really don't have that. A lot of kids learn a lot of chops, and so they can play little bits and pieces of all this great classic stuff, but they only play the hooks. They don't know how to apply it to music. Oh yeah, sure. They don't know how to work it into a song. They don't know how to work it into a jam. Uh, that's why there are so many venues now that uh, a lot of bands only know eight or ten songs, yeah. young guys. So they have to have three bands to do a show a night. This happens with Guitar Center, right? You walk in there and they know the they know the one riff, oh, and yeah. you're like, "Can you play a song, like a full song?" <laughs> and they're like, "You know," they stare at you, you know, and you're like, "Yeah, it's because you don't know how to apply." Sure, you don't know sure. Yeah. Charles Barkley talks about that discipline stuff too in basketball. He's like, he's like everybody. Everybody thinks that you get to the NBA with just talent. He's like, that's ridiculous. You know, there's tons of guys that are talented. You know, the guys that get to the NBA are the ones that have work ethic as well. Yeah. You know, there's a ton of dudes that have crazy talent in high school and then they get into drugs or get sure. into whatever and, and they don't have the work ethic and they, they, you know, accidentally peter out. Accidentally. Well, and the you other know? thing too is that you have to mature as a musician and you have to know what is a good song. You, you don't learn a song because it has a good guitar lick in it. That doesn't make it a good song. Mm. That's uh, a good guitar lick. Yeah, it's a good guitar lick. It's a good part of a song. It may be a great hook. And yeah. as a hook, it's designed to make you, you know, your song look like a song. good song. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's cool, man. Well, um, yeah, well, definitely um, uh, say your band name again one more time for it's everybody. It's a Blue Plate Special. 
Yeah, you get you guys to come and check them out. I've I've seen your guys' posters, and I know half your band. I need to come out and see you guys sometime. I you haven't should. done that yet. You should. And um, but uh, but yeah, man. So you know, again, I'm just trying to, you know, talk to some people and and hear some different opinions about the music scene, and and um, it's really fun for me to. I've noticed that one because there's not very many violin players in town. All of my friends are not violin players. They're all drummers and bass. Jim Kent's another good buddy of mine. You know, again, I'm friends with all a whole bunch of bass players. Like, you know, I have like seven bass player friends. You know, well, it's just funny. Uh, As a music, you got to respect the other musicians. Oh yeah, yeah. The guys that are good. Yeah. If they don't play your genre, mm-hmm. man, if they're good, respect them, oh, support yeah. them. You know, live music's the way to go. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with music. Mm-hmm. You know, now that they've got. They're calling rap, you know, uh, disc jockeys musicians now, and giving them musicians awards. What are you saying? Rap music's an oxymoron. No, I love kidding. the energy of rap music. Yeah, yeah. I like As rap a drummer, too. I yeah. love the energy. Yeah. I don't care for the attitude though, mm. because it's it's not my style. Sure. It's not my culture. Yeah. But but the energy, there, yeah. there's no denying it yeah. that you get wrapped up in it. Right. But that's like playing one guitar hook. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you see a lot of people that just get. Uh, Caught up in the bass beat, you know, bass is huge. Yeah. These days, all about the bass. Yeah. And people get caught up in that, and they, they make that good song. The song goes viral, and that's it. Yeah. You know, uh, and there's you know I was with someone today, and and she showing tells some good some good songs to listen to on YouTube. So I sent her to uh, uh, James Brown and Luciano Pavarotti. Mm-hmm. This is a man's world. Mm-hmm. It'll raise the hair up on the back yeah, of your neck. Wow. It's so good. And uh, Tina Turner doing the Beatles song "Help," yeah, totally different version of that right. song, and it brings a meaning to it mm-hmm. that is just—it's heartrending if you listen to her sing it that way. Oh wow! You know, and, and so you have to respect the people that can take a song and see something that you didn't see and bring that out. Mm-hmm. And so, and to me, that's presentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Well. Um... This is Jim Cavanaugh, drummer in Kansas City, Blue Plate Special. Come check him out. Um, we will be back next time with somebody else. I don't know who it is. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, see you guys later. That's the show. Have a good day.